the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Good morning, church. How are you all doing today? <laughs> you know, when you set your sights low, you're never disappointed in life, you know? As long as you're on top of the dirt and the dirt's not on top of you, you're having a good day, amen? That's how I look at it. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here with you guys. You know that? What a treasure it is. I hope you value our time together as much as I do. I value not only getting to share what I believe God's heart is for you, but I value the fellowship. I value your, your love for God. It's invigorating to me. Anybody else get that? I don't know what I'd do without it. I, I, I thank God for each and every one of you. Amen. If you would turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 17. And while you're doing so, if you don't normally join us either here in person or live online on Wednesday night, let me encourage you to do that. You really want to be a part of that. Uh, Wednesday night is, is a, a different service than we do on Sunday. And... Um, There may come a time in this country, in our lifetime, where we can't gather together anymore. You may think that's hard to believe, but that could come. And I, I think that the Bible teaches, I just like what the Bible teaches, because it always teaches truth, and always teaches life. And it says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's just not gathering. There's an assembling, a connecting that takes place. We should not forsake that, especially as we see the end times coming. Especially then. Well, we, we can see that. Can't we see it? You can just know. Even those people who don't have a relationship with God know that something is in the air. And I want to encourage you to be a part of it. And Wednesday night is another opportunity for you to connect with the body. Um, if you've not been here on Wednesday night, it's a teaching type arrangement as opposed to preaching. Uh, we gather in here. We're sitting in chairs. And I just want to, I want to encourage you to come. We're going to be talking about some things. We've been talking about some things that are helpful to you. Uh, but we'll be talking about even more things. And so... You need to prayerfully consider whatever reason you have for not coming on Wednesday night and present that to God and see if he thinks that's a good answer. Amen? Bible says, in all your ways acknowledge him. God, I'm not coming on Wednesday night because... See what he thinks about it. Turn to the person nearest you and say, that's a good word. Luke chapter 17 beginning at verse number 11. And it came to pass, as he, that's Jesus, 
went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Would you be kind enough to stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I thank you for your goodness. And, and yet at the same time, God, I'm burdened because I know you have a heart for these people that I stand in front of. And I know that you have something to share with them. And regardless of how long I've been doing this, God, I never feel adequate to the job. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to do what only you can do. You know the hearts of everyone that's not only here, but it's listening online or, or will listen. And I just pray that you capture their heart today. I pray that God, that whatever would entangle their heart would be free. I pray for deliverance and freedom. And I pray for freedom in my own heart to share with clarity, God, what you have to say to us. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We need to understand a little bit about the culture in that day. In that day when you had leprosy, there was no cure. Leprosy is a very debilitating disease. Even up until, you know, the late 1800s, lepers were put on islands small islands to keep them away from everybody else because the disease can be contracted by close contact and up until just early 1900s it was incurable we had no remedy for it and you literally not to be overly dramatic but you literally rot and so in that day if you were a leper you would often be bandaged up. You would, you would have bandages on your hands and bandages on your feet. Sometimes you'd have a bandage over your head because your body parts are literally rotting and falling off. 
You can lose fingers. They will just incrementally rot away. It's a very debilitating disease. It's a disease that you can imagine every moment of your life, how that would eat at you as a person. And because of the disease and because of it being so transmittable from one person to another, those people that had leprosy had to stay away from everybody else. And as they would walk down the road or they would travel, if they saw you, they were required at the threat of stoning to yell out, unclean, unclean, which meant to tell you to stay away. Don't get near me. I'm, I'm bad. I'm diseased. You can imagine what it would be like to live weeks and months and years of your life having to tell other people, Stay away from me. I'm bad. Stay away from me. I'm diseased. Stay away from me. What I have can't be fixed. And I felt the Lord's heart this morning for this morning's service to speak to those people who, who right now in their life, that's what life feels like. Their life feels like they have to stay away. They have to keep people at a distance. They, they, there is something so wrong with them that, that even if they are physically in a room with other people, they're alone. Something is wrong with them even to the degree that they can put on a smile and share a laugh and give a hug. Even though they are physically here in their spirit, in their heart, they... They keep everybody away. Nobody knows the real them. And they're afraid to let the real them out. They're afraid to just be honest and real and just be authentic. The Lord's put on my heart some people this morning even that, that you're here today and, and there's something wrong with you. And you, you feel like that thing that's wrong with you keeps you away from everybody else. That, that you are so broken and so marred that even, even, even if you're in this room, emotionally you're, you're separate. You travel through life in a bubble. Most of you know I got a sense of humor. It's a little bit broken. I admit it. I own it. There was a, a practical joke played on some people, one young lady, in fact, and, and in the practical joke, this family had this 12 or 13-year-old boy that they, they suggested that he was in this plastic bubble in their living room, and he wasn't allowed out of the bubble because of disease and sickness. And you know, there are some people that have that, and, he, and so he lives inside the bubble, and um, nothing, you know, nobody can come into the bubble and he can't leave the bubble. And, and the family wanted to go out for, at least that's the story, they wanted to go out for one evening. And so they hired babysitters to come in to, to manage things. And, you know, it, and all, all the babysitter has to do is to make sure to press certain buttons at certain times. And they've got it rigged up that they're going to do it wrong, okay? It's not going to go right. 
And so the little 12-year-old is in the bubble, and for the first hour or so, things are going fine. But then an alarm goes off, and so he tells her, you know, to press this button. And she presses that button, and, and then he asks her for something to eat. And so she goes to get something to eat, but while he's in there, they actually f- begin to fill that little bubble he's in. It, it takes up half the living room with smoke. <laughs> and he starts yelling, and she comes around the corner, and she sees this thing filling up with smoke. And he's yelling at her, what did you do? You're killing me. (laughs) And she's freaking out. I love that sort of stuff. I told you I was a little twisted. There are people that live in a bubble that way. They, They... They either have issues or they believe they have issues that are so profoundly causing them to be broken that just like these ten lepers, they keep life at a distance. There's something I I caught as I was drawn to this story this week. That... You know, we, we, I've heard this, this parable preached by others, and they talk about this leprosy as, as if being a, the result of, of, of sin and, and that these people represented those people who don't have a relationship with God. But the Scripture would disagree with them. Because when they saw Jesus at a distance, they said, Master... What God began to deal with my heart about is it was even possible for people that will be listening today, either you're online or you're here in person, that you already know who God is. And yet you feel broken. And yet you feel like something is so wrong with you that you've got to hide yourself away from everybody else. That you really can't be you and you really can't connect and you really can't, you really can't engage what's wrong with you because you're, you're too busy protecting yourself. Anybody get what I'm saying? And, and they, they knew that Jesus was the master. And yet they, 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 they had to keep him at a distance, and, and he responded to them. Notice what he didn't do. I, there's a part of me that would like to see this story where he just yells, be healed. How many would like to see that? And they were all healed. And they would just run to him like the one and throw themselves at his feet and everything... I mean, that's just the way I write the story. I, you ever seen a movie that didn't end the way you wanted it to end? I didn't want Nemo's mom to die. <laughs> I wanted at the end for her to come back and join the family. Anybody else? Oh, well, it's just me. 
He doesn't do that. As, as, a, as a believer and as a pastor down through the years, I've, I've always wanted God to always deliver in that moment and always heal in that moment and, and save in that moment. I just wanted Christianity to be cut and dry and just boom, boom, boom. Anybody else? And, and, and that doesn't happen in this story. In fact, it almost seems like he, he's not touched by their struggle. He, as opposed to drawing them closer to him, he sends them farther away. And he sends them, he tells them to go show yourself to the priest. Now, I know what he's referring to. In the Old Testament, when you had a disease, a communicable disease like that, you, you, you had to spend the rest of your life yelling out to everybody unclean unless the priest would examine you and find that you were clean and then the priest would absolve you of the further responsibility to go around unclean. There are some people that, that just naturally got healed by from leprosy, and so he could look at the person and, and see that the, the disease is gone, that it's run its course, and it's, this person is no longer communicable to share with others, and the priest could announce them clean, and then they could rejoin society. And so these individuals, these ten, knew exactly what he was saying. Go to the priest and show yourself and let him do what he's supposed to do. And you know what Jesus is asking for here? Listen to me for a moment. If we could get anything out of this, let's get this out of this. He's asking for people to show themselves. Can I tell you that the answer to what you struggle with is never to hide? The answer is to show yourself. Oh, if I was cutting wood, I just hit a knot right there, didn't I? It was like you're just going along. It's like <laughs> you know what he's calling for? He's calling for authenticity. He's calling for you to be real. I know this world is growing more upset with the church but I'll tell you, they're not really growing more upset with the church. They're growing more upset with the fake church. And we've always been called to be genuine. Ugly sometimes, but genuinely ugly. Imperfect sometimes, but own it. I saw a guy that I, I, I've, I've respected. He, he recently made a prophecy about an event that would happen, and it didn't happen. And I saw him several weeks after the, the, the fact. I saw him be interviewed, and I, I really respected how he handled it. He said, I spoke what I thought God had told me. I was wrong. I blew it. Somehow, some way, somewhere, I missed it. He didn't blame it on anybody else. He didn't 
point his fingers. He didn't excuse it. He didn't shade it. He said, I missed it. We, we in the body of Christ could use a real dose of authenticity. Just to be real. Just to, just to be genuine. Just to be the real thing. Not to be one thing on Sunday morning, but something else during the week. I was at a church, we, we attended a church one time, at, and um, the services, you know, the, the preacher always preached a good message, and, 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 and the worship was very professional. It was done, done well, if I'm talking about technically, but the services were kind of dead. People sat there like just so many lumps of coal. Until they had a, a short revival, and the revival was going live on television. And it was going to literally be broadcast around the world, the revival services from that church. And, well, the first service we had service with the cameras run, it was like, who are these people? I mean, the same people that sat there like a lump of coal last week are up, woohoo! Jesus is man, and, and they're happy, gladdened people, and they're dancing, and they're shouting, and for three days we had that going. And literally, as the lights went off, I'm glad that's over, and went back to just sitting there like a lump of coal. I, I found that dis, disingenuous. I found that just sickening. Anybody with me? I'm not against all that, but all that ought to be genuine, ought to be. <laughs> Come on. So Jesus tells these people that the, the remedy is for you to go and show yourself. You've been hiding yourself all this time, and the fix is to go show yourself. He didn't heal them. He told them to go. Can I tell you something? We, we in the church get this wrong sometimes. We, we think we need to get fixed before we go. And Jesus here is telling us to go, and on the way you'll be fixed. Can I, can I tell you he's still fixing on me? The Bible says that I am his workmanship, and so are you. And it says that he that hath begun a good work in you. You know what it means? He started. He has started a work in me. If I waited until I'm perfect before I start doing ministry, I need to sit down and shut up. I'm, I'm not at what God's going to have for me to be. I, I'm better than that guy. Amen? And I'm better than that guy was. And I'm even better than that guy was, but I'm not as good as that guy. And I'm not as good as that guy. And there are too many Christians who excuse themselves about going and doing for God because they compare themselves. Come on now. The Bible 
says, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. If you're in the room today and you're not like Christ yet, amen. I'm glad you're here. All of us are in the same boat. All of us have shortcomings. I'm not talking about blatant outright. I'm talking about struggles. There are some days I don't feel real saved. Yes, I know this went out live. <laughs> there are some days I don't feel like a man of God. There are some days I don't even like myself. Can anybody relate to that? There are some questions I don't know that I'll ever get answered this side of heaven. There are some struggles that I still have. But there's one thing I'm sure about. Jesus Christ is Lord. And he forgave me of my sins. And I can't turn my heart against that. He's been too good to me. And that's what gets me up off the ground when I have fallen is not about how good I am, but about how good he is. And if he hasn't quit on me, I'm not going to quit on me. But I'm not called to sit even in the place in my life where it feels sometimes like my life is rotting away. I'm called to go. Some of them, in fact, they were healed as they went. The Bible says they were cleansed as they went. I want to tell you there's power in obedience. There's power in obedience. My wife and I had our Valentine's Day date last night. And we decided to go somewhere to our favorite restaurant in on the way where we're going to listen to 50s music. And one of the first songs we heard was a song called Yakety Yak. <laughs> that was a big hit. I've heard that, Yakety Yak, don't talk back. It, it wasn't until last night when we heard the song and you could hear the words, do you know that song is about doing your chores? <laughs> that literally is what the song is about. Doing your chores. Do your chores because your dad told you to do your chores. Yakety yak, don't talk back. <laughs> Some of y'all don't think so. Google it. <laughs> and I'm trying to think in 2021, would a song about doing your chores be very popular? I seriously doubt that would float today. <laughs> Yakety yak, don't talk back. Can I, can I tell you, there's, listen to me, listen to me. I, I, I understand. But I, I want to tell you there, there's power in obedience. And if, if you don't know what God wants you to do, if you're not sure, I suggest you go back to your last act of disobedience and fix that. If he told you to do this and you don't like that, or you tried it and it was hard, so you went past it, you want to go past it, the Bible said God requires that thing which is past. 
You need to circle back to that thing when you told him no. Because you know what? That no that you said in his plan for your life is a yes. His next step for your life is for you to first check the box, yes. And then he'll take you from there. Listen, you got to get this in the story. He told these guys, I don't have the time to preach all this. Listen, they said, master. What's the master? Just whatever the master says. Yakety yak, don't talk back. That's what the master is. Not a lot of preachers can work that in the message and actually make it work. Come on. Are you as impressed as I am? God had them sing that song 70 years ago so I could put it in the message today. Wow. They say, Master, have mercy on us. Can I tell you, if you call him Master, he may test your heart. Master, all right, go. I'm sure they expected him to say, come here. He's touched other lepers and healed them. I'm sure they expected him to say, can I tell you, there's a group of believers who understand that God can tell you to go or come. He can do, tell you whatever, do whatever he wants to tell you to do. And that your healing and deliverance is found in the obedience of what he told you to do. Not just because you feel good about it. He's always got your best will in mind. And so he said, okay, I'll master, go. Show yourself to the priest. They knew who he was. They knew who the priests were. They understood religion. They understood the requirement in religion to go. And as they went, they, they, they got healed. And one of them stopped. He never got anywhere near the priest. He stopped. There's some of you right now, you're right there where he is. God's done something for you. Well, God wants to do something for you, and I ask you a question. Which way are you going to go? Nine of them continued towards the priest. One of them stopped and turned back. Can I tell you it's okay to start your journey on information? But when revelation comes, stop. There's one guy of these ten who's walking along, and he realizes he's healed. And he says, I know who the priest is. I am perfectly obeying what he told me to do. I'm making a choice as to who my priest is. I'm going back to the priest who healed me. Not to the ones who never had anything for me. Now, I want to tell you, there does come a point in life where we have to listen. It's where the rubber meets the road. Each and every one of us has to make a choice. Do I continue to go in the direction my life is going? Or do I stop and make a turn? 
and go back and throw myself at God's feet. Now, the Bible says that all of them were cleansed. The Bible never says all of them were healed. Look at it. There's three stages in this, in this chapter. Cleansed, healed, made whole. We know that all ten were cleansed. We only know that one of them was healed. We don't know about the other nine. It never says. I'm not one to put words in God's mouth. Amen? Amen? It says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And I love what happens here. He, he no longer stays away. He comes right up to Jesus' feet and falls down and begins to worship him. No more I'm unclean. No more I'm bad. No more I can't be fixed. No, I, want, I want to tell you in life that, that I, I know, like, like so many other humans knows, what it's like to feel on the outside. I know what that's like. I know how awful that feels. I know what it was like not to have a place to lay my head at night. I know how awful and ugly it was to sit in McDonald's and watch somebody throw half of a burger away, and I wanted to go into the can after the burger. I know what it's like to be taught and, and to embrace the idea that I'm, I'm weird, I'm wrong, I'm... How many know what I'm talking about? If everybody knew the real me, then they wouldn't like the real me, and so i got to put on this facade. Come on now. I knew what it was like even to have a relationship with God and still go through that. Even in my earliest years of doing ministry, it was always... Fashioned after somebody else. I, I still think sometimes those poor people that where we pastored our first church, as sincere as I, I tried to be, I didn't want to just get up in the pulpit and be me. I needed to be like those good preachers. <laughs> and so I'd listen to a tape of some good preacher, and I'd find a good message, and I'd almost write it down. You know, almost everything he said. And, and I, when I got up to preach, I was just like he was. And if he was, you know, running the tops of pews, I didn't quite do that. <laughs> but if the next guy was slow and quiet and still, I was like that. And I lost sight of the reality that God called me to be me. And Matt, God called you to be you. Just this morning in prayer, God just, just kind of dropped something in my spirit. And it came like this. You people are so funny. I make you all unique and you struggle your whole life to be the same. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm guilty. I 
I'm going to ask you a question. Are you, especially those of you that feel ostracized and separated, especially even of the body of Christ, you, you may come and you may gather here, you may watch live. In fact, that may be why you're watching live. Because the pain of getting together with believers is just too painful. It's, it's, you, can, you can fake it from home. You can check the box that says, I went to church. Because you heard the message and you responded to the Spirit of God. But there's more than that. There's a body. Years and years and years ago, before I, was, I felt the call of God in my life, I, I'm going to try to close. I attended a church, and the pastor's wife had some struggles. She had some emotional, mental struggles. And it caused more than a few dust-ups in the church. Sometimes she was just misunderstood. Sometimes she was just goofy. I'm being polite. Sometimes you, you wondered where she parked her broom. I'd go and look for it. And one, there came a point in time when enough people in the church just got very upset with her. And they kind of cornered the pastor about her and her behavior. The behavior that tripped everybody is the church had purchased for him a car, a nice used car, to make his visits because, you know, they didn't pay him anything or didn't pay him much, and he always had a piece of junk car, and so... They bought him a nice used car to use for his visits, and somebody saw his wife driving it. And that aggravated them. And so they, the church body kind of cornered him, and he made this statement. Because they were, they were literally dividing between him. We love you, it's your wife that we don't like. She's got issues, and we don't like her. That's basically what it came down to. His response, I didn't understand the importance of his response then, as I do now. He said, if you don't like my wife, I'm not going to be your pastor. He never admitted that she was wrong. He never defended her as being right. I think he knew better. Can, can I, let, let me just... Be raw. If, if you're, I understand churches cause pain. I understand that. I understand interaction with fellow flawed human beings can be painful. Amen? Sometimes we just blow it. We're just ugly sometimes. But can I tell you that the response is never to just stay away? It's not. It's not. It's our rubbing together even at times irritating each other, that makes us grow. 
and having to, I don't think you're ever more like God than when you forgive. I know there's some people think you're never more like God than when you sing. You're never more like God than when you preach a great man. I think you're never more like God than when you just forgive. It's time for you to come out of hiding. It's time for the church to be a body that, that allows people to be flawed. Amen? I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not so sure in the long run. I, I can go to church. I can go to heaven, and, but not like the people up there. It's just a thought. I'm not sure that's how it goes. I'm not sure if I'm offended by church people or black people or white people or flawed people. But I can go to heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that maybe there's something could be rotted in my heart. Are you with me? Yeah. Would you stand to your feet? So which way is it? Right now, in this, this moment of your life, right now, in this moment of your life, which way? You came in here or you watched online and there's something in your life that's causing you to be a distant from people. And the beautiful choice you have before you is this. Do you go farther away? Do you seek that which can't fix, heal, deliver, cleanse? Or do you turn towards Jesus and let him help you? You may, you may know God. All ten of these seem like they knew God. They called him master. Where are you at? You have a beautiful choice. You have a beautiful choice every day. I can... I can choose to keep fixing this my way. What a laugh. Never gets fixed. Or I can turn to the one who can fix everything and make me whole. Not just cleansed. Whole. That's what he wants. Not just cleansed. Whole. Because if the house is merely cleaned, then that evil spirit that was driven out will one day return, find the house cleaned, but empty, and will bring other spirits with him that the end result is the house is dirtier than it was before it was clean. Well, what, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you. If, if you just stop the behavior that you don't like, if you just gather enough will, if you just gather enough persistence, if you just gather enough stubbornness to overcome your struggle, you haven't fixed what caused you to get in the struggle in the first place. And it's only a matter of time that the end result will be worse. You've got to be willing to throw yourself at God. Amen? And to know that he understands. He understands. And Father, I just, I just right now, I, I've done my best to empty my heart of that which you put in it.
I know, Holy Spirit, I know you. You've done an incredible job of taking that which was shared and spoken to human hearts. And I just declare this truth over this body that is listening to me live or online. God, I just declare this truth that your word will not return void. It will accomplish that which you have sent it to do. Father, I pray for the outsider ones. I pray for the, the ones that, are, that have a heart that has been hurt and broken. The one that has been made to believe a lie that they are less than everybody else. The one that has been made to believe that their life was meant to be lonely. God, I, I pray for that one right now. I break that stronghold over their life. Father, I release that deception from them. They are fearfully and wonderfully made by you, God. And it was your desire. You placed the lonely in families, God. Loneliness is always bad. So I pray for, against all loneliness, God. I pray against loneliness in the hearts of people, God. And I pray that, God, that we, we find a way to just turn back towards you. And I thank you, Father, for what you're doing and what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.